You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I was just praying for you guys last night, and uh, this, this phrase, oil of joy, um, came to me. I just felt like God said he wanted to release the oil of joy over us. And um, I'm going to read Isaiah 61 to you because that's where I know that there is a phrase, the oil of joy. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic and a lot of verses. So hang tight. This is just preface. We're not even in the message yet. Hang tight. Take notes if you want. It's the word. It's good. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland or diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened and failing spirit, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So I want to pray that God would release his oil of joy over anybody that is. Like, what were some of those great things in there? You know, the physical and spiritual captives. If you're bound, if you're mourning, if you need comfort, um, he wants to grant consolation and joy. He wants to give you an ornament of beauty instead of ashes, okay? A garment of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, failing spirit, okay? So if that, anybody goes, whoa, that's me. Is that awkward? Do you guys feel awkward if you're like, I'm depressed? Anybody, can we do that or should we just do a blanket statement? I don't know. I don't have a feeling when we're, I'll just do a blanket statement because you're all like, wow, you're weird. Okay, let's do that. Father God, I just thank you. I feel like you told me last night, you just showed me your heart, that you wanted to release the oil of joy over your people today. So God, anybody that is in that place of just brokenness, of hurt, of shame, of needs, needs comfort and consolation, God, needs healing in their hearts and their emotions, Lord God, I just release your oil of joy in this place. I thank you it is just washing over every person in this place that needs your joy, that needs your comfort, that needs a a spirit, a a feeling of depression and anxiety and hopelessness broken off. We break that off in Jesus' name and we declare freedom in this place. Freedom, like Boyd said, to lift our eyes and see your goodness. Freedom to, to be thankful and see how good you are instead of looking at our feet and all that's not right. God, we just pray that oil, that oil flowing over us, healing the wounds, healing the scars, healing the insecurities, healing the doubt. Thank you, Jesus, for hope rising up in your people this morning. Hope rising up for joy. Thank you, Jesus, for joy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I'll tell you this. I prayed some stupid prayers recently. Do you guys ever pray stupid prayers? Or sing stupid songs? Do you ever come out of worship after singing like, I surrender all, have it all, do whatever you want, and you leave and you're like, I didn't really mean all. I didn't really mean everything, God. Maybe just this corner that's safe. 
So I prayed prayers I'm not, that I'm now walking through that I'm not sure. I know I want to walk through them, but I'm also being challenged. It also means I have to be a big girl and deal with myself and, uh, and actually just trust God in these areas. So I prayed that I would no longer live like a victim to life. I see in the world around us, it's super interesting. I don't know if it's interesting. It's actually kind of sad. Everybody is such a victim. I was thinking, I was going to bed last night thinking, I, I didn't know one person could ruin so many people's lives. And I don't care, I don't, this isn't a political statement, but the president seems to have ruined a lot of people's lives. I've never even met the man. And apparently he should be ruining my life. I just see so much on social media, you know, about the cost of housing, the, the jobs, the everything. We're, we have the opportunity every day to be a victim to circumstances, to people, whatever, right? And I don't think that's the way God's people should live. And I don't want to be living that way. And as I say this, I'm not sure. I'm still walking through this, okay? So you're going to be like, yeah. You, yeah, you should be preaching this to yourself. And I am, I know. But I also want to bring you into this process with me so that we can stop, stop living like victims to life and circumstances. Stop blaming the people and circumstances in our life, right? Like it's really easy to blame all kinds of things. Our parents, our spouse, our kids, our employer for the things going on in our life. There are things going on inside of us, okay? We don't, but I want to learn to be a, a powerful overcomer. I want to learn to take responsibility for my feelings, actions, and decisions, and I want to create the life I want to live. I want to partner with God and create this life that he has designed me for and not make excuses and not walk in blame and not live in, in that victim mentality. So since praying that, I remember, I was just kind of like walking through the kitchen and thinking about things, and I'm like, God, I am so tired of being a victim to all these circumstances, and that is not what I see in your word. Your word says I have the power to overcome. Your word says I have the power to create wealth, make these decisions, and build this life. And so it was kind of offhanded, but it was like, God, help me to not be a victim. And so guess what? I've had lots of practice since then because that's how it works. God's like, all right, boot camp, let's do this. Um... So I've had lots of practice taking responsibility for my emotions instead of blaming those around me for how I feel. Again, scratching the surface. So my family, you know, they're always, um, I'll tell you that in a minute. You know, how's that working out for you not being a victim, right? Now that I say this out loud, I'll get even more help. No, I'm just saying, I should, I should, Okay. Renewing my mind when it jumps to being offended by someone, okay, to instead think the best of them, forgive quickly, deal with myself. Guess who I get control over in this world and in this life? Me. It's, it's self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, not others' control. It's actually witchcraft when you try to control other people and situations. I get to control myself, okay? Um... And opportunities to be a victim, right? What is that? Again, turn around and blame what's going on in the world, society. Blame my upbringing and my parents for where I am. Okay, blame my work situation, the community I live in, my lot in life. 
Why, you know, there's a lot of ways we can choose to be victims. So let's stop it. One of the statements when I taught back in May was um, from Lisa, uh, well, no, that's not it. It was, um, if you're going to live a life of legacy, and we talked about legacy, we talked about overcoming this kind of stuff so that we can leave a better starting point for our kids. The things we overcome, our kids won't have to deal with. The things we don't overcome will be multiplied to them. So are we, what are we leaving as an inheritance? What, what are we multiplying to our kids? So I said, if you're going to live a life of legacy for your children's children, you need to face off with the broken areas in your life. And this victim mentality, this, this blaming and shaming and all this, this is one of the things that um, we've got to do. And, and I, I mentioned this as well, that the idea was first deposited in me before I had kids, uh, Lisa Bevere. I love her and I love what she speaks and pours into the the world through her teaching. She says, your children will either inherit God's promises or your fears. We can do as, as parents, as leaders, okay, what are we multiplying into this earth? Your promises, or God's promises, sorry, or your fears. And then for several years, you guys know this, if you've been around or, and you can go find podcasts, they're out there. Um, I've been reading and studying and teaching about the differences between poverty and wealth and ways of thinking and perceiving the world around those two ideas. And again, let me say this. I just have to preface this. A wealth mentality does not mean riches. Okay, I, I've differentiated that in one teaching. There's a difference between riches, which is stuff and all that, right? Riches. And then there's wealth. And, and biblical wealth is health and relationship and spirit, soul, body, all of it, okay? It's, it's more than just stuff. You can have tons of stuff and have a poverty, orphaned spirit. You can be poor inside. You can be hoarding and accumulating, and it's all for me, and, there, and you're doing it out of lack and poverty. Even though on the outside, it looks like you have a lot. You can be a very wealthy, rich in relationship, rich in faith and favor and health and not have a lot of stuff, okay? So I want to clear that up again, just because, you know, there may be somebody who hasn't heard that. Okay, so I've been studying and reading all about this, and there's always an underlying theme as I'm reading all of this, as I'm reading the books on this, as I'm reading people who, have, who, are, who are also wrestling with this, what does it mean to be a, a person, of, you know, who sees the kingdom and lives from the kingdom, and the underlying, very important piece of the puzzle that pops up is, this, is an orphan spirit or mentality. An orphan spirit or mentality. So whenever I talk about orphan, poverty, wealth, all these ideas, I'm trying to communicate that these are ways of thinking and believing that shape our lives for better or worse, life or death, right? They're, 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 they're belief systems. They're operating systems on the inside of us that we live from, for good or for bad. And I don't mean, you know, sometimes, I try not to say this, but I might. I don't believe or think there's like a poverty spirit. I think it's a way of thinking and perceiving the world. There's not something, and how, how cool would that be if it was a spirit and we'd be like, I rebuke you, poverty spirit. I will now live in the good, all of the wealth of the kingdom that God intended for me. That would be super awesome. But it doesn't work with that way. We can't just rebuke, we can't rebuke it out of us. Um, 
This topic has more to do with getting in step with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into those hard, scary, well-protected areas, meditate on the Word of God, and be transformed. And I love this. Here's the thing. Is if we'll get this, if we can start to walk in this, these ideas, when we're transformed, we become people that bring answers, not complaints. We bring solutions. We bring wisdom. We bring God's kingdom, right, of life, of love, of provision and favor to our community and those around us. That's bringing heaven to earth. We can't do that if we are orphans, if we are victims, right? So today I'm going to try to tackle this topic of identity, um, orphans and sons, so we can all find freedom in those areas where we still might be living and thinking like orphans. This is a process. I wish I, wish I could just be like, oh, I see that. I should be like a son and not an orphan. Let me back up. If I say son, I mean sons and daughters. Okay, it's just easier to say son. It saves me some time. I can get through more notes. Okay, son. Okay, time back in. <laughs> okay, I wish we could just go, oh, I see it in the word. Now I am transformed in every area. But I think we've got to get this into us. And as God will walk us through this process. We're all going to be in different areas and different stages of this thinking and believing. Okay, so... And maybe some of you are totally free from this. That is awesome. Pray for us. So I, oh gosh, 20 years ago, had the chance to go to Africa with a group. I went to Kenya and Uganda um, on a little missions trip, a couple, three weeks maybe. And I just remember this recently. One of the things we did, I think we visited two different orphanages and we helped in some little churches do some different things. And my favorite was the Bush churches. hop through the backwoods of some of Africa and anyway it was fun get stuck in the mud it was that was exciting um yeah it was the best part people would come from miles and wait for hours to hear the word of God good stuff but we visited a couple of these orphanages in these different regions and I don't even remember where but one of our guides told us that if a child lost even one parent they were considered an orphan in that culture. And that always stuck with me, and it never made sense, because I'm like, but you still have one parent. But often if, if mom, mom passed away, dad was, would succumb to alcoholism or something, and I don't know, there's, there's different reasons, but they would, off, they would consider the child an orphan. And God reminded me of that while I was getting ready for this today. And I asked him why. And here's what I feel like he told me. He said, when we miss... When you and I miss even one part of God's goodness to us, we are at risk of becoming orphans. We need both the law and the grace, justice and mercy, truth and spirit, if we are going to be healthy children. We need truth and spirit. Some of us are stuck in what we do to be good enough. Okay, this is the orphan spirit. What we do is what I do going to make me good enough for God. That's a legalistic, religious spirit that tells you you're never good enough. Now look, the law was good, right? But it wouldn't, couldn't make us right with God. It showed us we need a Savior. We need Jesus. And then grace, God's unmerited favor and power drawing us to him, it, it was meant to fulfill the law. It fulfilled the law in us. So now we can do what we should because we have the power to do so. We have the grace. We have the power to live as we should, to live as sons, but using grace without, let's see, using grace without the power to live the way you were designed to is also an orphan spirit. 
to say, I get to do whatever I want and I don't listen to nobody and God still has to love me, that's an orphan spirit. We have to live in that grace so that we can please God. Does that make sense without being legalistic? It's not about what we do. But when you get his goodness and love for you, you want both. You want to live in the truth and you want grace and you want the spirit. I wrote this down. A son will live in the beauty of the fulfillment of God's purposes, understanding both his responsibility as a son and that being adopted into God's family through mercy and grace could never be earned and never repaid. A son feels the responsibility to partner with the father in the family business. It is comfortable relying, and this, um, a son is comfortable relying on the father's resources to do the father's business. An orphan is about, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to do it on my own, I'm going to do it my own way. And there's this underlying, and we'll get here, I hope, thing of, it is, it's really fear that we're not good enough, that we won't measure up. So we better do what, the best we can do to get right with God instead of saying, wow, God has made me right with him. Now I can live from this position and do a lot of great things in this world. This is the picture I got of an orphan. An orphan will find a comfortable corner in the house, a fragment of truth and life to play house in without allowing the father to fully embrace him, working as a servant his whole life because he cannot believe that there is any other way. An orphan relies on himself and only himself, so the idea of unconditional, unmerited, love, grace, and mercy would require too much trust in another and would, because, and would likely result in more hurt. So we've got a son who goes, wow, I am loved, I am adopted, I am accepted. The father says that all he has is mine. Now I get to go bring that to the world. Now I get to produce. Uh, I love the verse. I, I don't know where it is. It says, you were created to do good works. What do you do? What's your purpose? What's your calling? To do good works. What's the, what's the next best thing? What's in front of you right now that's good, that brings God glory? Okay, but an orphan is like, I'm just going to play church over here. I'm going to play relationship over here. I don't know if that makes sense. Okay, but I'm not going to let God fully embrace me. I'm not going to fully let his love into me because that would require trust. That would require me believing that I'm worthy of that. I don't know. Is this making sense? <laughs> I heard a podcast. It's, it's really good if you want to hear. I can tell you where to find it. Podcast with Jeremy Riddle recently. He's a worship leader. Um, and they were asking him about the idea of, you know, having spiritual fathers and being fathered. And he said, you know, I think a lot of people like the idea of having a spiritual father, but what they really want is a spiritual grandfather. You guys know how grandparents work. If you don't, let me tell you, grandparents don't say no. They give you whatever you want. There's no discipline or boundaries. Super fun when you're the parent. Yeah, look, I, I don't look straight ahead. Grandma, I see you. Um, <laughs> so we have to be okay with like, okay, God is still going to discipline us. He is going to bring correction. He is going to have some things to say about where we go and how we do it. But look, my kids sometimes, they act like I am ruining their life because I am, there's a bedtime or a bath time or vegetables on their plate. Okay, they don't understand that I actually love them so much. I don't, 
want them to just have candy and be dirty all the time. Grandma, no, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Or grandpa. Or grandpa, let's be equal, equal opportunity here. Um, so God is a good father. He loves his kids. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And I, I thought of this, and I'm in this category. You might have lots of hurt from your dad growing up or mom. That makes it, can make it really hard to entrust your heart to Father God. Okay? Maybe he was absent, so that's your picture of Father God. Maybe he was distracted. Maybe he hurt or violate you. Maybe he used his strength against you, okay, instead of to protect you. So please, please, please take those hurts to God. He is not your earthly father, and he can work you through. First of all, forgiveness. You're going to need to forgive your dad. That doesn't mean any hurts or violations were okay. It just means you're releasing your power over that. You're releasing your connection to that. And allow your heavenly father to pour his love into those wounds and begin to make you whole. No matter how good of an earthly dad you have, he wasn't perfect, and that's okay. But your heavenly father is, and he wants to call you his own, your own child, son and daughter, come home. Okay, so identity, so that was the warm-up. In 15 minutes, we'll get to the main point. Here's an interesting thing as I've studied this and that keeps coming up. We cannot, I mean, we could discern it. We could, through relationship, figure this out. But generally speaking, here's our rule. We can't look at one another and go, oh, you are saving a bunch of money because you're an orphan hoarder. You don't know that. They might be doing exactly what God told them to do and and being a good steward, right? So hoarding and stewarding, Look alike from the outside if you don't see the heart. Um, What else? You know, are they finding their identity in their stuff just because they have a lot of it or not? You don't know necessarily from the outside. These things can look, again, having a lot doesn't mean, it could mean you have a poverty spirit just as much as a wealth spirit. Again, spirit, I know, I'm trying not to say that, mentality, okay? So let's not, what we're doing here today is we're looking inward, (laughs) We're looking at me, where am I struggling with these things? Where am I, where do I have an orphan mentality? Okay, not like, Susie, she needs to hear this. Don't worry about Susie right now. Okay, so as we go through this, let's examine your heart, allow the Holy Spirit to highlight your motives, your attitudes, and your beliefs, Um, but we're not using this as a weapon against each other. Okay, I have just a quick list and some thoughts, and then we'll probably have to get to the rest next week. I have next week too. <laughs> Just a warning if you have other plans. <laughs> Just kidding. Sons are accepted and loved and produce good fruit and good works. They are about the father's business. Okay, orphans are working hard to please others and be accepted. An orphan is working to survive each day. This is a big thing about poverty and orphan mentalities is that you're just trying to survive. You're Gathering as much as you can because you don't know when there's going to be more. You're going to protect what you have and you're going to do it again tomorrow, just survival. Okay, but a son, a son is connected to the father's heart 
a son works from acceptance, works from approval, works from love. I'm loved, so I go love the world well. I go do these good works. It's a different, again, can't always tell from the outside. A son does the good works prepared in advance for him to do. A son, son's work is to be about the father's business and build legacy to build for future generations to know God again. Uh, that orphan spirit is about today, getting through today. There's not, there's not that generational mentality. An orphan buries the gifts and talents and purposes in fear of failure, or just fear, because he's not connected to love. And I think of the, the parable where the, the manager gives three employees um, each a, t- each t- a number of talents, and the one buries it and says, I knew you were a harsh master. That's a wrong perception of the father, not that that's who God actually is. He buried the talent. He didn't do anything with it. He didn't build. He didn't grow. And that's born from an orphan identity. Sons will let those around them be themselves. This is, this is honor. You get to be you, and I get to be me in this relationship and in, in whatever God we're doing. That doesn't mean we're perfect. That doesn't mean we agree with everything. It doesn't mean we don't apologize a lot. Okay, orphans will be who they think you want them to be, led by fear of man, and again, survival. They feel the need to adapt to the circumstances so as to be sure they can survive. Um, sons honor all, of, all around them and are not moved by fearing the opinions and motives or desires of others. Um, if you want to learn more about just growing and walking in your identity and loving people when they're not lovable and honoring people, being powerful. Um, Danny Silk has a book, Keep Your Love On. So that would be a really good resource for some of this. Um, Sons are connected to the Father's heart and give out of the love, mercy, peace, patience, kindness, they have received. Okay, so you're connected to the Father's heart and that flows out. And then there's an outflow from that. Okay. And this is, we know what love is because God loved us. And I found it so interesting I don't know. It's not that they don't love, but orphans can't give or receive love in the same way you can when you've received the Father's love. It's just different. Um, And loving God means loving our brothers. Loving our brothers means we live in a way that honors them and does not harm them. Um, Orphans remain disconnected, distant, and yet working hard for the Father. I'm just going to blast through these fast. You guys okay? A son's identity rests in whose they are, okay, whose they are. A son knows who his daddy is. I'm yours and you are mine. I am chosen. I am loved. I am accepted. An orphan's identity is in what they do, who they know, and what they have. That's all. I mean, if there's nothing else, if you don't belong to a loving father adopted as his own, what else is there? And I'm not, it is just what it is. It's, you know, it's sad, but... An orphan's identity is in what they do, who they know, and what they have. And again, you can't look at what people do, who they know, and what they have, and say they have an orphan mentality, orphan spirit, necessarily, right? That's not what it's about. It's about what's going on in here. A son knows his position. He's not a slave. He's a friend of God. He's a son of God. Orphans do not believe they are valued and remain employees or slaves in the Father's house. Here's the thing. We can be Christians, and still be orphans, which we can still live from an orphan mentality. Let me say it that way. God doesn't view you as an orphan. 
You're his child, adopted, welcomed, accepted. But we can live from a place of fear, of shame, of not connecting to his heart, okay? And we, then what happens is we, we work really hard, we do all the stuff, we play the little religious game, but we're not connecting to the Father's heart, and it's not flowing from there. Okay, a son, though, works hard at the Father's business, but not for acceptance or love. It's born out of that relationship. It's born out of identity. It's born out of calling, and it's born out of this love. Love really, God, I love you. Oh, and you love these people, and I want to help these people too. Make sense? Okay, sons are powerful. They live and think and believe from a wealth or kingdom mentality. Sons are powerful to bring, this is, this is my favorite. This is what I want to be, <laughs> trying to be. Powerful to bring solutions, favor, and life to a situation. A son knows that God is working on their behalf and that he gives us the power to create a whole, healthy, prosperous life. A son seeks his heart and takes bold steps to bring about change around them, Okay. Orphans, however, are powerless. They feel very powerless. They believe their life is controlled by external forces, even God. Like, God is just controlling. I've seen people struggle with this in the church, believers who, well, whatever is God's will, they feel so powerless that nothing can be changed by them unless God steps in and does it. I don't have a good example. I'm just thinking about my kids. We are not powerless. God wants to partner with us, but he also trusts what he put in you. The life, the gifts, the personality. He trusts what he's put in you. The Holy Spirit working through you. You are powerful to control your emotions. You are powerful to bring about change. You are powerful to seek heaven and get answers for your neighborhood. For I just heard Chris Valentin talking I just, this morning just on Facebook. I'm sorry, I was on Facebook before church. Some of you are on Facebook right now, so I see you. Um, he was telling a story, and he said he went into, he was in a country, seeing a, an official person in that country, president, whatever, and he's sitting and waiting. Is there social security, social security, secret security, is that the word? <laughs> Not social security maybe Social Security, around him. And he's like, God, what am I doing here? He barely graduated high school. He didn't learn to read till he learned to read the Bible. Um, it's like, I don't have an education. I don't know what I'm doing here. And God said, I have made you a king of kings. So I'm the king of kings, and you're my king to minister to kings so that nations can be discipled. Not people, just people in nations, but nations, which means we have to minister to the rulers in those nations. And you are my son, and this is your identity, and just began to speak to identity, and he said it's so interesting because he doesn't know the answers. So he'll be sitting there, and the, this person in this country is just talking about the problems that, is just the, you know, their country is facing, and Chris is like, I don't have a clue. I don't know, but I know somebody he does, and I can talk to him while you're talking. I will get the download from God and speak that's, that's prophecy, it's words of wisdom and knowledge. We're getting the download from heaven. And I just love that. Like it doesn't even, a son has access to all the father has. And we can go into those situations. If we go in as a victim, if we go in uh, entitled, if we go in looking for the handout, who's gonna fix this, who's gonna help me, who's gonna make this better, 
you won't have the solutions and answers. We are sons that go into those situations. We go into, you know, what are we doing about housing in this community? What about jobs? What about um, drug rates? And, you know, all the problems that we could face in our, that we face in our society. Wow, God, it's pretty bad. I hope the government does something. Hope somebody does something. You are the sons of God on this earth with the answers, with the solutions. You don't know it yet because you need to get into the middle of it and go, I want to help. What can I do? Okay, God, give me a download. Give me a word. Give me an idea. Give me a solution. We bring that to this world. We're not sitting there waiting for God to scoop us up and bring us to heaven to survive and get out of here. That's an orphan thinking. We are sons on mission in this world. to bring God's favor, provision, life, wisdom. Sons look for solutions to problems. Orphans throw blame or make excuses. Oh. Seven minutes, guys. These lies of this orphan mentality began with a question in the garden. Did God really say? This first, right, did God really say? This shows up in Genesis. God creates the man and woman. They're free from shame. Though fully exposed and vulnerable, they're free from shame. (laughs) Heard a pastor talking. He's like, how great would that be? You're in the garden, eating whatever you want, naked and unashamed. No trying to cover what you ate. (laughs) No hiding the chocolate. Okay, God created the man and woman. They're free from shame. And yet they're fully exposed and vulnerable. That's how we were designed to be. Okay, so this lie, this orphan lie came. It began to weave itself into their thoughts. The serpent came and he began to lie. He began to say, did God really say you can't eat from the tree? Oh, that's not right. God, God's withholding from you. If you eat from that tree, you'll be like him and he doesn't want that. He began to lie to them that God was withholding, that God didn't have their best interest in mind, okay? So they reached out and they took hold of what they were not meant to carry, the knowledge of good and evil, right? And shame took root in them. Sin entered. Shame took root. Sin separated them from God, made them aware of evil, brought that shame, which is, shame is the awareness of their lack, failure, vulnerability, and nakedness. Shame is saying... I am not good enough. I am not enough. Sin brought shame. Shame causes us to retreat, to hide, to put up walls of protection. Shame says you are not, will never be good enough. And if people found out who you really are or what you were really like, they would reject you. Shame tells you you were not good enough, not loved, and not valuable, then creates that reality around you. Shame tells you you're not good enough and then creates that reality around you. You will create that world around you if you truly believe it. Okay, but shame was not our intended covering. We covered ourselves with shame. We went into hiding when sin entered. We were designed to find safety and protection, fulfillment and purpose, identity and meaning within God's design of his love, within community, okay? We are designed to be fully known, seen, and honored, We're meant to be sons and daughters, fully alive, 
imperfect, but full of God's love and adopted as sons. Okay, so shame just puts up these walls and sends us into hiding, tells us you're not good enough, makes you a victim. Okay, the next thing to happen in this story was blame. Okay, God comes looking for Adam and Eve. Where are you? Where did you go? And what happened? Did you eat from the tree? What does Adam say? The woman you gave me, God, you hadn't given me that woman who I rejoiced over last chapter. It's her fault. Okay, blame comes in. Trying to shift the blame that we feel or the bad emotions, the sadness because of our own behavior or choices by making someone else responsible, shifting those feelings. Oh, I feel upset. I feel frustrated. I feel afraid. It's your fault. That's blame. Okay, you're not a victim to the choices of others. You are not a victim to your emotions or thoughts. Here's the thing. Here's how this plays out. This is what I've been practicing. You guys can practice too. I would be so much nicer if everybody would just put their dishes in the washer when they're done with them. That's blame. I wouldn't have to yell and scream if you would just listen the first time I asked you to fill in the blank, clean your room, whatever. Okay, basically anything that says, I wouldn't have to respond this way if you wouldn't fill in the blank. That's blame. That's making somebody else responsible for what's going on in here, and that is um, you're being a victim, you're being an orphan. Okay, powerful people say, wow, I feel really frustrated when people do that, but I can still love, I can still think the best. Here's the thing. You can then put away those dishes in the washer in a passive-aggressive, slamming-everything way. Sorry, I'm working on it. But did you know, this has happened a couple times, so I know it's true, you say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. You said I didn't have to be a victim. Jesus, help me. You know what? I'm going to do these dishes because I want my kitchen to be clean. And, I'm, and obviously you can address the issues. I'm not saying get walked on either. But I'm going to choose this in this situation. I'm going to choose to be healthy and whole and not bitter and not blaming. Okay? Don't, those are ways victims respond, powerless victims Okay, instead, we can be powerful, we can ask for help, communicate what we need, set good boundaries, and yet not blame others for what rose up in me when that happened. Okay? Jesus faced the same temptation that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. Gosh, it's time to go. Okay. But he overcame. Good news. We'll get there next week. Let me read this verse to you. I don't think we've read a verse yet. So we can't. That's not legal. People are already leaving. I'm sorry. I'm going to read a verse. I was reading Romans 8, and you guys should go read that. It's really good. But Romans 8, 14 through 16, and I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. It's really good. You ready? The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And if you did not receive and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, 
but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join in him, saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our inmost being, You are God's beloved child. And 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Now I'm on a roll. Let's read another one. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. But we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him. For we will see him as he truly is, and all who focus their hope on him will always be purifying themselves just as Jesus is pure. Okay, so I want to just pray for us today. I just want to pray for you. Um, Why don't we stand up? Because we're done. For those of you that have never, that have experienced God's love and given him your heart, you are no longer an orphan or a slave. You are beloved children. So I just pray, I'm going to pray over you that God's love would fill your heart. And for those of you who have not experienced this love, God sees you, he knows you, he loves you. For a moment, put aside the thoughts of disappointment, uh, hurt, shame towards God or any thought except love that you might feel from him. Just turn your heart to him and say, show me, God, are you my father? (laughs) That sounds funny. He is your father. He wants to be your father. Father God, we just, I just ask in this place today, I thank you for your outpouring of your love. I thank you for adopting us, for calling us your very own. Oh, God, we are not second-class citizens. We are not, <laughs> um, we are loved, we are cherished. God, I just pray that your love would flow right now to every person in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray that shame is being washed away by your love. Fears of not being good enough. Fears of of what you'll say if you really saw who we are. God, I just thank you. You're good. You are so kind. You knew who we were when you gave your life for us. So God, I just thank you for that tender affection, tender love, just reaching down, drawing us closer to you. Show us, God, where we are acting like victims and entitled brats. God, just help us. Help us, Jesus, to be powerful, loving people who represent you well and bring answers and solutions and favor to this world. Thank you, God. Amen. All right. Did you guys get anything out of that? Awesome. Well, on the count of three, let's say Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin in the world. And you guys can be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.